helping us in all situations and we thank you lord for your great plan for us because we're on our way somewhere father we are going somewhere and we thank you lord that your faith is getting us there thank you your faith is causing us to accomplish great things for you in this earth and we understand that that we're called as seed righteous seed down here and we undertake that and we love it we thank you for it in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so we're going to talk today about righteousness that makes a difference amen your righteousness makes a difference Uh, I think it's good to understand why God sets the righteous apart from the wicked Uh, because I get a little concerned when I hear uh, believers talking so much about God's judgment you know the uh, gospel is good news and God's merciful all the time his mercy endures forever he's never in a bad mood amen he's never just mad at everybody uh, he, he has a smile for certain people he's angry at some people for sure if they're sinners but there's so much mercy to get them to turn away from sin and toward righteousness that we promote his mercy and his righteousness uh, much more than his judgment because even though judgment uh, can be going on in the earth God still has a place of mercy and a place of safety for the righteous and uh, I think <clears throat> we need to keep that in focus and keep that in, in perspective because as intercessors you are called to intervene on behalf of mercy if you can remember that you're not called to call down fire from heaven you know what I'm saying I mean it just really if you intervene you intervene for the mercy of God and uh, the Bible assures us that those who show mercy or give mercy will obtain mercy and so there are times when God is done with things and we allow God to manifest himself in the way that he feels fit but for the most part when you are interceding you're interceding on behalf of the mercy of God even though it might call time on wickedness you understand it brings an end to wickedness mercy brings an end to wickedness and so what we're attempting to do is to get every man to see the light of God and to understand God's great mercy and that God has prepared a place of mercy and separation for righteous people so in Genesis 18 we'll we'll go through the scripture and follow this flow of thought and this um, uh, desire of God to spare people uh, he he did not prepare hell for humanity Uh, it's for the devil and his demons but if we continually resist God if we continually blaspheme if we continually uh, work against what God's doing even though we are being shown a way out and a a way of mercy so that's really the reason that we are commanded to preach the gospel we are doing that to inform people that God will uh, forgive them and make them righteous and give them a new lease on life in fact a brand new life and so uh, when we do that then we give people an option but we also give them information and understanding about God's ways and what God's plan is you know when you're a person that's living in sin you sometimes you have no concept of the mercy of God that you can be forgiven and many times people will live as 
enemies of God and really don't have to until somebody tells them the good news amen so we are here to inform them of the good news intercede on the behalf of humanity so that their eyes can can be enlightened think if if you hadn't been interceded for and if God had not shown you mercy where would you be and so we have to give what we've been given amen the apostle says such as I have I give you you can't give what you don't have but what you do have you can give amen and so we give them Jesus we give them uh, the blood of the lamb to to help all of these situations there must be made an atonement for sin and people need to get under that atoning power of the blood of Jesus so that their sins can be forgiven and they can walk in the newness of life so in Genesis chapter 18 I think it was this is the first place where we see a judgment coming upon the earth and we see somebody who had contact with God and how they responded when they heard about it and this is the the I guess the pivotal uh, nature of righteousness this is what determines true righteousness I guess from self-righteousness self-righteous people have no mercy They'll just as soon see the whole earth destroyed and think they're going to be the only ones left. Do you understand what I'm saying? They prophesy gloom and doom all the time. I know you've heard people like this that say there's no way out. There's no turning back. There's no hope for this and no hope for that. I think when, when righteous people believe that, then that hinders any prayer that they may do for mercy. God, I don't care how bad we've been show mercy to us give us another chance give us a chance to to step at you when when God was threatened to destroy Israel Moses would do whatever he could do to convince God one time he told God he said that the you mean you brought all these people out here just to kill them what what are those sinners over there gonna say about you he put it back on God. <laughs> Your reputation is going to suffer down here. You bring all these people out there. And then the, the, the wicked will say, well, he couldn't save them. What's wrong with him? You understand what I'm saying? And so when we understand the heart of God and the mind of God, we can tap into that heart and mind and flow with God and, and bring great mercy. Now, if you've been shown mercy, you need to want to show that to other people. You shouldn't want to be so quick to pull the plug on everybody and think you're going to be the only one here uh, especially if if it, if it makes you feel good to be the only one righteous one you should want to take a whole bunch of people with you uh, if you're going on with God so here in Genesis 18 we see one of the first situations that I can re- really recall uh, I'm sure others interceded for people but if you think about Noah uh, it, there came a time when he couldn't intercede anymore. God just decided to kill everybody except him and his family. And so that being said and established already, we can see a little window of mercy and a window of intercession for people in the earth so that they would not be destroyed. Uh, the righteous would not be destroyed with the wicked. So righteousness, righteousness, People being spared from wrath is a biblical principle. That is a Bible principle. That righteous people will be spared from wrath or spared from judgment.
And many people think the events of September 11th was God's judgment against this nation. Now I don't know that that's true or not. I don't know that. I know that there are some things that that you hear uh, through the years since those activities about many warnings being given to our government that went unheeded. There are many warnings uh, given uh, to our government. Uh, there was a lot of money spent uh, in surveillance of at that time Al Qaeda. Now they're ISIS. You know, it's all the devil in another name. But there were many warnings being given about uh, Al Qaeda and especially Osama bin Laden. Remember him? And uh, his activities, in fact, it, it said, and it seems that it was, was uh, there's good um, validation for it, that on at least two different occasions, uh, our, um, our um, military forces and those who work in intelligence had an opportunity to either capture him or to kill him outright, and they passed on it. So the president, that was, I think it was Clinton at the time, passed on those opportunities. And uh, they had already, remember the first bombing they did, I think it was in 1998 or 99, where they bombed the World Trade Center then. And the, the guy that they captured said, he, he said, oh, that was just a dry run. We're coming back. So when you get warning upon warning upon warning and you don't heed the warning, it's not so much God judging, but it's us not really heeding the warning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many people um, have this twisted idea that somehow America... Um, deserves having all this terrorist activity in the nation now I don't know if you're sensitive to that but when you listen sometimes to liberal people they will say things alluding to the fact that uh, it's because we've done something wrong that we've made all these enemies around the world and they're just getting even with us for what we've done wrong Uh, liberal people tend to think in screwy ways like that and then they get mad at the Christians because Christians don't buy into it I mean the ones who really know God and uh, they don't buy into it and they don't uh, agree with that line of thinking because if that's true you'll never defend yourself against the enemy you always think that you deserve it's like being an abused wife or something you know how people say why do they stay with their abusers well they think they deserve it you know your mind's warped when you start thinking like that Uh, that's why there's there's not a whole lot of activity and energy spent in uh, examining people before they come into this country you know now they have sanctuary cities where the government won't even help Local police won't even help the uh, uh, INS police, the Immigration Service police, to uproot illegal immigrants from this country in certain cities. And so all of these things have to do with a mentality of deserving punishment because you're bad. And I'm telling you, if you're a blood-bought child of God, this irritates you to no end. 
because you understand that God is a merciful God and your sins are forgiven past present and future sins so you don't roll over and play dead because some deranged person who believes in a false god feels like his god is superior to yours and he wants to kill you you don't allow that to happen you fight against these things your god is a righteous god and he will give mercy to you as well as to that individual who's trying to rub you out you got me and we have to be very careful as believers that we don't let our souls get involved in this this uh pathetic way of thinking and get passive about the enemy no matter where he shows up you know the devil is very very subtle and he's very very crafty in the way he goes about uh, indoctrinating people uh, putting poison into their minds and and uh, you deserve what you're getting and you know all this kind of stuff this is this is nonsense folks you're not God uh, and the people who espouse this kind of thinking they're not God either I know God to be a merciful God. He sent me to preach the gospel and to share the good news with everybody. And he will not punish the righteous with the wicked. You got me? So I don't know what people feel this country deserves. But I know there's righteous people in this country. And so I know what the righteous uh, get. And wherever the righteous are, this is the position that we take. Uh, you don't you don't give permission for the devil to just murder people just because they've made mistakes whether they made mistakes or not that he's not the punisher you got me he's not the judge he doesn't own heaven he doesn't own hell he doesn't own people he owns nothing and so all of these things are are masks for the devil to hide behind uh, to make people think that somehow some somehow they're deserving of all the bad things that happen i said oh no you don't devil Oop, just stop right there uh, 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 uh. the blood stops you right in your tracks i'm blood bought i plead the blood i'm under the covering of the blood and you can't penetrate that god is my only judge you got me and so when you when you study the bible and you understand how god feels and how he's felt about these things from the beginning it's never changed and it's never going to change he's never going to throw the righteous under the bus he's never going to lump you together with wicked people what's the point of living right if it doesn't benefit you above the wicked you know if it's not going to benefit you we might as well all go back to sinning you got me there's a benefit to living right there's a prosperity in living right there's a protection in living right there's a covering in living right amen there's a reward for living right and so we have to understand this you know we're not going down with the wicked no way jose no way no way we're not going to do that because it's not biblical there's no precedent for it and don't be so passive when you hear people espousing stuff like this you stand there and bind that you know if you pray under your breath lord i just take these words out of the atmosphere they will not infect the minds of people with this uh doom and gloom mentality this fatalistic mentality because we're not going down like that amen we're here to take people to heaven we're not here to, to espouse the glories of going to hell so so in uh, genesis chapter 18 
we see uh, one of the uh, first uh, examples of interceding for mercy even in the face of declared judgment for God from God his judgment is declared now on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and we know that they were wicked cities uh, we know that they didn't uh, um, uh, honor God the, is, is a policy and so wickedness increased to the point that there were very few people that were serving God living there Abraham knew that his cousin Lot lived there though and he knew Lot was a righteous man how did he know that because he grew up with him you can intercede for your seed for your household for your loved ones for your servants for your employees for your neighbors you can intercede you can pull them all under your your cloak of mercy because you either know that they are living apart from sin and fighting sin as best they can that's what righteousness is you know you're fighting sin you know God's in heaven and he doesn't honor that kind of living and you made a determination to live for God and so in Abraham's day that's what it was and they worshiped God Abraham built an altar to God so that made him a priest and he was able to stand before God for the different needs that he had whenever you stand before God for your own needs you can also stand before God for the needs of others righteousness imputed to you automatically makes you an intercessor you got me when righteousness is imputed to you why because you've received mercy and you want to impart mercy to others there's no such thing as being a godly righteous person and you have no heart to see other people partake of the same amen you have to understand that it is in your heart you begin to have the heart of God and God wants to give mercy to everybody he's no respecter of persons and so in Genesis 18 I think it starts in verse 25 I think let's see It says, uh, verse 17, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Shall I keep a secret from a righteous person? That's what he's saying. The Bible says God reveals his secrets to the righteous. So as long as you're a righteous person, think about this. You're entitled to hear what's on God's heart as long as you're a righteous person you got me you know people live in such such i think such ignorance of of our privileges and i'm not talking about money privileges let's get beyond that that's that's a given if you have food in your refrigerator this morning you have evidence god will take care of you in a material sense so you don't need any more evidence than that but there are other things that God has positioned us to do that have to do with the power of the priesthood which is much more far reaching see your your refrigerator takes care of you but your priesthood takes care of so many others so many other people so many other situations so the priesthood is much more powerful than the material blessing that will come as as a result of your covenant there's much more power in in your ability to rule and reign through the priesthood and so god says shall i hide this thing from him 
In other words, God is saying, I gotta tell somebody. He said, I gotta confess this to somebody. God is so glad that he has us down here to share his plans with. He wants to share his plans. He doesn't want to be a big mystery. He doesn't want to be far away from us. He doesn't want to be in a position where he can't talk to us and let us in on what's going on. Amen. So God wants the opportunity to share his plans with the righteous. So he says, uh, in verse 18, he says, seeing that Abraham will surely become surely surely that word lets you know covenant surely verily those are covenant terms when God says it's a sure thing that Abraham's going to be a mighty nation that means I take care of that I've already declared and I'm going to see to it that that happens so that takes Abraham out it it puts Abraham in a whole different realm so if God is making him a great and mighty nation it's a done deal you think he's going to destroy that man and anything else that he wants I don't think so how's he going to be a great and mighty nation if God lets him go down with everybody else and so he said he'll become a great and mighty nation in other words his, his, his future's set already I promised him this and he believes me. As long as he believes me it's going to happen. The devil can do nothing with your promises unless you let him convince you you're not going to get it. (laughs) Or you're not worthy. That's the very, a devil, okay devil stop with the worthy. Alright. We done done that. We done been there for I don't know how many years and it had not stopped me yet and it's not going to stop me no more. The worthy is out. Okay. Uh, I may not be worthy but we'll get it anyway. Worthy's not an issue. God is your worthy. He imputes worthy to you. It's not your own worthy. It's his. He imputes it to you because you believe in the power of his blood to do these things. You you won't get anywhere doubting that you're cleansed. Doubting that you're forgiven. Doubting that God is, is merciful to you. Doubting you won't get anywhere like that. This is what separated Abraham from everybody else. Abraham believed God, the Bible says. And it was counted to him as righteousness. God said, oh, okay, you're my friend. I'll let you have this. I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that. <laughs> you don't believe me? I'll let you have everything. Well, it was unbelief and disobedience that caused us to lose everything in the garden. Why would faith not bring it back? Faith brings everything back to us. You just believe God. And he imparts it to you as righteousness. He said, okay, you check out. Just look. Come on, go with me. And you'll get what I promised you. And he says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. He said, in other words, I see him great enough to handle this information. When God gives you an assignment to pray, he sees you great enough to handle that information. Well, some people like it. I don't know. I think it's good. I would rather be thought of as worthy as to be skipped over. 
You know all the millions of people that get skipped over. Look at at Abraham's day. He's one person and there were millions of people on the face of the earth at that time. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth looking. He's looking all the time looking. He's looking for hearts that are toward him. He's looking for people that believe him. Why is he looking for them? So he can put them to work. So he can become their friend in a greater way. So he can reveal secrets to them. So he can get some work done down here. He gets it done through the righteous. He says I know him. Ooh, hallelujah. God said I know Abraham. He said I've had some history with him. I know what he's going to do. He said if I do so and so he's going to do such and such. <laughs> what does God know about you? You ever think about it? You ever think about how God selects people for certain jobs? You're not here for prayer just because you like praying. And you like getting up on Saturday and you don't have anything better to do. You're here because God chose you to be here. You didn't just come along with a friend or come along with your spouse. or come. You're not a tag along. <laughs> you're a chosen. See the devil hides that awareness from us. That we're chosen and selected for certain things. They're not an option to us. Huh? You're chosen and selected for these things. So, And how do you respond to that? You respond by saying yes and amen. You respond by complying. You respond by being faithful. You respond by doing what God tells you to do. That's how you respond. So he said, I know Abraham. He said, I know this guy. He says, and I know that he will do what's right. Amen. He says, he's going to command his family. You know what that word means? It means that you live right before them. And you instruct them in your ways. And you see to it that they comply. He's a leader. He's not a follower. He's somebody who's going to get the job done for me. So once God knows that about you. He says, I know. Uh, you know, he says, I know uh, uh, uh uh, you know, I know Miss Juana. I know she's going to get the job done. I know. He, I know Gary is going to get the job done. I know Ingrid's going to get. I know E's going to get. I know Little Shannon's going. I know Miss Grace is. I know. You got me. Everybody in here. He knows you're going to do it. Once he gives you something to do, he knows you're going to carry it out. That's why he gives you more to do. If you weren't a faithful person, he wouldn't be giving you, he wouldn't be waking you up and getting you here and making provision for you to be able to do all the things you need to do. It's about what he knows about you. Huh? I remember the first time God started teaching me about spiritual authority, taking authority over the devil. Number one, you can't be people paranoid and walk in any kind of spiritual power. You've got to be able to separate out the devil from people. In other words, you can't think people are against you and everybody hates you. You can't be small like that. 
you've got to understand who you are and understand that there's a devil behind the flesh just like there's he works behind you when you get weak you understand what I'm saying we're all in the same boat I just happen to be able to discern through the spirit of God that this is the devil that's doing this and God began to show me how to take authority over the devil and release people from his influence you see and so I sometimes I would say things when God would send me to to minister and um, I would do things like uh, I would ask the Lord in advance and he would never tell me he just give me instruction on what to do I said oh, come on God tell me tell me tell me come on God tell me tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. you know that kind of stuff and I got to know God and he got to know me and I would say things to God like I said oh you know I'm a sucker for taking the devil apart God you know that kind of stuff and 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 I'm just saying that as an example don't go out and do that you know what I'm saying it's not a big deal you know it's just a little thing where I'm learning how to uh, operate in the power of God but it gave me satisfaction to take authority over the devil because he had beat me up so much in my life you got me and so it, it's it's God will put these things in you where he will you'll be this is this is you verse 19 for I know him I know her I know that, that they're, when I give them something to do, they're going to get up and do it. I know they're not going to give me a bunch of excuses for why they can't pray and why they don't want to pray. And I can't find my prayer partner. And I, they don't like me. And I, they're not going to whine and give me a bunch of junk. I know they're going to follow through when I give them an assignment. There are people right now on the earth that don't think God assigns you to do things. They think they can just get up and do them. Well, I'm an apostle. I can do so and so. I can do such and such. Or I'm a this or I'm a that. They're, they're more, they're not personal with God. They're, I'm a title. I can do certain things. And I'm this and I'm that. Like you're some kind of robot apart from God. And, and that's so different from what this is right here. This is power. I can't hide anything from Abraham. I've already set him on a course to be somebody very powerful. In order for him to walk in that power, I got to give him as much understanding about all of this rulership down here as I can. You see? So he's saying, I better not keep anything from him because he's going to be a great man and lead a great tribe of people and he's the patriarch of all of these people. I got to give him full understanding. I better teach this guy as much as I can while I got his attention. You got me? So that's the kind of thing he thinks about you. Trying to get you to understand who you are. That's what he thinks about you. I can't hide this from this person. I got to tell them about this because they're going to need this information to rule down here for me and do all the great mighty things I've already set them on the course for doing. So this is just part of your training and part of your teaching to get you to understand fully what you're And so God shares with Abraham. He says, you know what? 
I said, I'm going to destroy this city. You know I don't tolerate wickedness. And it's I'm at my limit with these people down here. And he says, <clears throat> he says here, he says, For I know him, he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he's spoken. And the Lord says, Because the cry of Sodom has come up to me is very great their sin is very grievous I'm going to go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it so I'm going to give them one chance I'm going to come down see when people minister to you it's great mercy when God has to come down and inspect you himself. It won't be long. You understand what I'm saying? You, <laughs> you might be able to tell people, well, I don't think that's God. And, uh, who are you? You ain't my business. You ain't got no business in my business. You know, you might go along like that for a few years. But when God gets sick of your nonsense and he has to come down here and inspect it himself, it won't be long. Because it wasn't long for Sodom and Gomorrah. You got me? So I'd rather have the wicked slap me 1,500 times and straighten me out rather than have God have to come down and confront me himself. You got me? And he says, he says, the sin is so grievous. He says, I'm going to go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I'll know. So don't think that sinners get away with anything. You know, righteous people sometimes have a curiosity problem. They see what they think is, is, is somebody getting away with murder. You know, number one, don't be jealous because somebody can sin and you can't. Don't, don't get stupid. They're not doing anything. Messing themselves up. But you know, the devil will get you curious. You get to staring at people long enough and you start long, you start liking what you see. You long for flesh to get tentilated or whatever he says he says it's very great their sin is very grievous so I'm going to go down and check it out verse 22 and the men turned their faces from them and went towards Sodom but Abraham stood yet before the Lord Abraham stood yet before the Lord that's you see you might hear of some doom and gloom pending but your position as an intercessor as a person that has stature in God's eyes is you stand yet before the Lord you don't move you don't go anywhere because you want to deal with God you want to find out wait a minute God you told me you're going to do this <laughs> my cousin, cousin, cousin girl and Babra and man man and Pookie them they all living over there and I don't want to see them die. That's my blood over there, God. I mean, you know, that's my kinfolk. And Abraham drew near and said, in other words, he's getting a little closer to God. He said, okay, tell me more. And let me tell you what I got in my mind. <laughs> Abraham said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Ow! Giving God's own word back to him. This is what we do when we pray the word. We give God's word right back to him. He said, hey, wait a minute. You've always made a difference, but now wait a minute, God. I know now this is you. You make a difference between the righteous and the wicked. You don't throw away righteous people with wicked people. 
And so God first gets an understanding that Abraham has been watching over his nephew Lot all this time. He knows what's going on where Lot lives. Because it's the talk of the whole region. And nobody who wants anything good to happen in their life lives over in those two cities. And he says, if there's 50 righteous in the city, would you destroy it and not spare the place for 50 righteous? He says, that be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. He repeats it again. He reminds God of his promises. He's God, you're bigger than this. You don't do this to white people. You don't do this to people you bought with your own blood. Amen. Now this is before Christ, but the lamb was slain before the foundation. The blood had to cover these people too. They just didn't know it. And so he says, and the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous in this city, then I'll spare all the whole, everybody there. Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I've taken it upon me to speak to you. He's, he's anxious. He's not sure how far he can go in his prayer. You ever been there? You know some things about God, but now you're getting to the fine details about him. Don't be afraid to ask him for the fine details. Many times we go away without what, what's in our heart to get because we're afraid to venture into the fine details with God. We're afraid to go any further than we've ever been with God. We're afraid to ask him for any more. We're afraid to stretch our faith any further. Don't be afraid to stretch your faith into places it's never been before. How do you think people get miracles? How do you think they change a city? How do you think they change a family? How do you think they change a neighborhood? It's by going farther with God. He says, verse 27, I take it upon me to speak to the Lord. <laughs> he said, I'm just dusting ashes now, God. I ain't got, you know what I mean. You know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I ain't trying to boss you around. He says, there shall, if there shall lack five of the fifty righteous, will you destroy the city for the lack of five? In other words, down to 45 people. He thinks God needs to find that many before he will spare the city. And he spoke to him yet again and said, if there's 40 found there, he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. He said, oh Lord, don't be angry now. I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you for a few more. Abraham knew when he started the deal at 50. The negotiation at 50, that he didn't know of 50 righteous people over there. He's just hoping, maybe I can ask, maybe he'll spare it for a lot. Do you know God will spare that city for one righteous? Because at the end of the day, he destroyed the city, but he pulled the three righteous people out of there. So he gave them an opportunity to repent and turn and come out of that wicked city that was about to be destroyed. Amen. And so God will save one righteous person. Amen. Remember uh, Noah, the one with his family. He's, God sees that as one person, one representative of a seed of righteous people. He'll spare the, it for one righteous person. And he says, he says 45, and then he goes down to 30. And then he says, uh, let me see what he finally probably got down to 10 or something, or 20. And he says, uh, I would not destroy it for 10 sake. There weren't 10 righteous people there. There was Lot and his family. I'm not sure how many were there, but it wound up being just Lot and his two daughters that were saved. The wife could have come out. Amen. But she liked it. She liked sin. Amen. 
So she turned around and her heart longed. Whatever you behold is what your heart longs for. And she turned around to watch that city and she turned into a pillar of salt. God couldn't use her. So that, that doomed her right there. You know, you would let your righteousness speak for you and be obedient to God. You know, righteous people are not disobedient to the instruction of the Lord. And so she was given a reprieve. She was spared her life. But she still longed for what was going on in that city. She longed for that wickedness. And so she doomed herself right there. So here you see the one of the first examples in the Bible of interceding for mercy on behalf of wicked people that they won't be judged with the righteous. So you see here God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked. He always spares them. Exodus chapter 8 would turn there. Let me see. No, turn to Genesis chapter 45, and we'll see a, a frank separation that comes between uh, uh, the people of Egypt and the nation of Israel. Genesis 45. We'll see here the, the city of Goshen, or the land of Goshen, was developed in Joseph's time. It says. Um, this is where Joseph is reunited with his brothers after he has gone down to Egypt and he's going to be the one who rules over all of the provision of Egypt. Uh, it says uh, when, when Joseph here is being reunited with his brothers and Pharaoh steps in to bring to mediate um, it looks like Joseph had the type of relationship with the people in the palace where they understood he was from a different culture he was from a different background and they watched to see how he interacted when his family came back and so they saw that his heart was tender toward his brothers and he was helping them out because uh, you know they had appeared before him a couple of times the first time he sent extra provision with them and all that they saw how kindly he was treating these people and uh, the word got uh, around in the palace that this was Joseph's family when he finally revealed so this is where he reveals to his brothers who he is and he reconciles with them. He says, it wasn't you that sent me here. It was God. He said, what you meant for evil, God turned it into good. And he sent me here ahead of you so that I could make provision for everybody. In other words, he sees that dream that he had. Listen, when a dream comes to you from God, be careful to keep it what I call in a spiritual place. Don't pull it out and put it in your head and start gloating over how great you're going to be, how wonderful you're going to be. All these people are bowing to me. Oh boy, I'm going to be a big deal. That was Joseph's problem. If you take what God gives you and keep it in a spiritual place, that means like Mary, she hid those things in her heart and fought on them often. When you hide something in your heart, it will feed you for many, many years. It says she pondered all these things and hid them in her heart. Your heart is a place where your provision is. Your heart is a place where you store up treasure. Your heart is the place that feeds you. You know, in the days when you don't feel so spiritual and everybody's against you and people are suing you and trying to take your house from you, what you have stored up in your heart, that's what's going to feed you in the time of trouble. 
got me and so she kept those things and pondered them in her heart she had all of this stored up understanding who her son was and what his future would be the effect he would have on the nation of Israel she knew all the great things Jesus was going to do in his life and she never ever blasted out and spoke about them they fed her and nurtured her and I'm sure she kept these promises hid in her heart so that she could pray over them and nurture him with what his his uh, future was and so that's what Joseph eventually did he didn't do it from the beginning but he did it eventually and so eventually he's reunited with his brothers and Pharaoh wants to help this family out and so uh, uh, verse 7 in Genesis 45 this is Joseph speaking he said and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives with a great deliverance so now it was not you that sent me here but God for he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt haste and go up to my father and say to him thus saith thy son Joseph God has made me lord of all Egypt come down to me and don't delay and you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all those things and I'll nourish you and and all of that stuff because there's yet five years of famine left so the land of Goshen is a place that is set aside to separate number one the righteous from the wicked then children of Israel could not intermingle with the Egyptians because they serve different gods God wouldn't allow it so God always puts a separation between us and them don't cross it you need to draw a line that you will not cross in order to either get along with people to be friends with them to marry somebody to date somebody you don't cross a certain line because God has said that's a Goshen for you you have a spiritual Goshen on the inside of you it's a thing that goes when you're not supposed to do something and no don't huh and so that's your Goshen that's your you can play around in that little sandbox and you go no further (laughs) you got me you don't go across the the bloodline so to speak and so in in uh, Exodus let me see we just did Genesis 45 what separates us from the unrighteous is the blood in Exodus chapter 11 we'll go there trying to lay a foundation for you to to get you to understand how powerful and strong this is you you don't go anywhere you don't now you're in this world and you look like a normal everyday person but you're not of this world you're an alien amen you're a foreigner you don't you don't mix in and you only go so far and Genesis I mean sorry Exodus 11 and verse 4 Moses said thus saith the Lord about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die 
from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon his throne even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt such as there was none like it nor shall any be any like it anymore but that's you whenever there's judgment prophesied poured out the but is you okay there's always a but God is not he has promised with a rainbow that he's not going to destroy the earth with water again you can always intercede for mercy again that's why God has revivals revivals are activities of God's mercy to bring people into kingdom and under the power of the blood and he says and, uh, uh, he says all the first from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits on his throne even to the firstborn of the maidservant that's behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts and there will be a great cry from this city but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man nor beast that you may know this is speaking to us you've got to know that God is not taking you down with the wicked that God is not judging this nation irrespective of what the righteous do here this is, this is nonsense this is a, a false doom and gloom prophecy listen sinners are afraid of hell they're scared of, of judgment every single day People who take drugs don't know when it's going to be their last shoot up before they overdose. So as sinners know, that's why they're talking about this global warming thing. The only thing warm that's coming to go on this globe is hell is getting hotter. And they're feeling that. You look at how these people live. They don't get married. They don't take good care of their children. They steal. They take drugs. They, they curse. They, uh, they're vulgar. They, they're just outrageous. And they shake their fist at God and they take his people to court and try to strip them of everything that they've worked hard for. Just because they don't go along with what they're talking about. If you want to sin, sin, but leave me out of it. I don't have to condone what you do. Now the devil's crossed the line trying to force Christians and believers to accept their wicked lifestyle. See? They're under conviction already. I was looking, I said, God, how much more conviction can these people take and not repent? Because they know they're wrong. They wouldn't be begging for it. They wouldn't be trying to take us to court. Their only thing they're trying to do is get that conviction off of them. They think by picking at God's people. Because we're the only ones here that are reminding them that they need to repent. They think if they can rub us out and neutralize us and silence. Oh you're a homophobe. Oh you're a xenophobe. Oh you're this a phobe. That a phobe. That's nothing but the devil. Who's the accuser of the brethren but him? They accuses people day and night. I say, yeah, I'm a that phobe, I'm a this, I'm all them phobes. Because I'm scared of sin. I'm scared of what y'all do. I'm not doing it. I'm a righteous person. I'm living for God. The reason I live right is because I'm scared of the way you live. I'm scared to take, it, take me right on out of here and take me to hell. Never be ashamed of who you are. Never be ashamed to speak up for God. Don't sit up there and, and sell out and let these people convince you you got to talk a certain way to be acceptable. 
Don't cross back over that line again. You stay on the right side of the line. So he says that God puts a difference. Verse 7. That's our verse. God puts a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Or between the wicked and the righteous. And so God then decides to deliver his people out of the power of Pharaoh. Amen. And he does it by separating them with the blood. So in Exodus chapter... 12 if you go there all the plagues of Egypt were to give the Egyptians a chance to repent and turn to God that's what happens see sometimes plagues and sickness and all of that are warnings by God he warns people because when you come up against something bigger than you are, if you're smart, you'll cry out to God whether you know him or not. And so he sends these plagues on Egypt so that the people will turn away from wickedness and turn to the God who's all powerful. If you see frogs come on your, your property and over here where the righteous live, there's no frogs. That gets your attention. Huh? Anything that's a bother to you in this life and you see a people over here who are not bothered by it, it gets your attention. And so God had shown Egypt as much as he could show them to let them know that they were on the wrong road and here are people living before you who live right. And all you got to do is cooperate with God and you can live just like them. There was no such thing as an Egyptian couldn't get saved. You know what I'm saying? They had the opportunity to come over and serve God. And many of them did. Many of them crossed through that Red Sea. When when God told Israel to eat the whole lamb and and don't leave any left over, that's their key to evangelize. You got me? Y'all paying attention or what you doing? All right, that that's your that's your open door to evangelize. He says, go and give this fresh roasted lamb to your neighbors and make sure. So all you do is get, honey, did you cook yet? Look here, we got some lamb left over. Watch it. That bought their salvation, <laughs> huh? Taking the body of Christ represented by that lamb was enough to get those people's minds in the right place that when they saw that water building up they told their their uh, Hebrew neck, you know what I want, can I go with y'all you know we had this meal that meal was nice where are you going next I think I want to follow you amen and that's what they did they took many Egyptians over with them Pharaoh didn't go because he was too hardened. He was the ruler. He was the leader. He decided he wasn't going to repent. So he stayed there and his he saw his firstborn die. He saw another plague come upon them and he still did not change. But he had to let the people of God go. Amen. So if you stand with God, God will see to it that you get your deliverance. So here we see uh, uh, the people of God the Passover being instituted in Exodus chapter 12 it says in verse 23 the Lord will pass through and kill the Egyptians and when he sees the blood upon the doorpost the blood is what separates us from the sinner 
The blood is what separates the righteous from the unrighteous. The blood separates and, and you, that blood is not yours. That blood comes through a covenant that God has prepared. It's something God has prepared for your deliverance. So all you have to do is be obedient to display the blood. And God says when I see it I'll cause the death angel to pass over you. So the blood here represents those who were obedient to do what God told them to do to prepare for this great crossing. The blood always covers the obedient. When you get into disobedience, the blood will cleanse you if you confess and you repent. Get right back over and be an obedient again. The blood covers you still. So that's what we call it a covering, a blood covering. Because it covers you in your obedience. When you get disobedience, it follows you to pull you back out of disobedience and get you into obedience again. And it covers you again. So that blood is always pursuing you. It's always talking to you. Always speaking to you. It never lets you get over into a place where you're doomed. People who who could have been at work on September 11th in the Twin Towers. Many of them. I, you know, I usually would get to work at so and so, but this day was different. Somehow this day I didn't get, you understand, that's the blood talking to them. You got me? That blood speaks, and it speaks on God's command, and it speaks to who God says it's supposed to speak to. It's good to obey that voice. How many times have we said things like, I, I, something told me to do so and so and I didn't do it. We say that so many times. That's the blood talking to you. If it was something that was going to work out to your good. And it usually is. Because for us to make that remark it's because we missed something that, that could have worked out better for us. That's God training us how to listen to his voice. The blood speaks better things. It speaks of your deliverance, of your salvation, provision, uh, sparing your life, sparing your children, sparing the ones that you love, sparing your neighbors. That blood covers your words. It covers your heart. The people that you, you have a tender heart toward, that you have compassion toward, it covers that. It does all of that. And so God says, when I see the blood, he's got to see it. You can't just be in disobedience and God see the blood. You've got to be obedient. That's when he sees the blood. This isn't just a blanket for your misbehavior. Where you can go do what you want to do. and oh, you got to honor that blood. you got to understand that was shed willingly on your behalf. It's not your blood. You have to obey what God tells you will get you under the blood covering. The Bible says about healing, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight, give you to all his commands, keep all his How are you going to do that? You're going to mess that up. So if the blood didn't cleanse you, once you recognize you messed up, you need to confess that to God. And then he sees the blood. So you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So you're back in it again. You got me? 
You can't be in and out at the same time. You can't be running around sinning and hoping nobody sees you and come back and get a run under the blood. That ain't right. It's not how he sees it. Working on your behalf. Christians sometimes we live. That's the first thing you perfect when you're a new believer. I can remember being scared to even think a wrong thought. God don't want God don't want to. You need to stay like that. Keep short accounts with God. Always want to be in the right place with him. Honest before him. Not trying to hide anything like you do everything right. Nobody believes that about anybody. Huh? You know, I don't believe you do everything right. And I hope you don't believe I do everything right. But we're covered. We have a covenant. Amen. We have a covenant where we can we can go to God and confess these things. You confess them, you quit doing them. You quit. You stop confessing. See, this is the problem with people. I see people who can't quite get it together. You know, can't quite get over these little things that irritate them or irritate other people or bad habits or something like that. It's because we don't confess them. You confess something. You put it out there on the table. And you say, God, you know what? That's not right. I did that and that's not right. Thank you for cleansing. Cleanse means it doesn't it doesn't bother you anymore. It's done with. Huh? You have the power to overcome because of your confession repentance means you know it's wrong even though you did it I don't care why you did it you don't stand there and give 3,000 excuses well I wouldn't have done it if so and so hadn't said something yeah we know that we're all in that same boat but you did it anyhow let's get it off of you we don't care why you know this isn't isn't like a God's not like a, a, a bad lawyer you know, ambulance chasing lawyer. If he can find a loophole for you to get out of it, we'll get you off. God wants to cleanse you. He don't want to get you off through some loophole. He wants to cleanse you. Why? He wants you like his son. That's where you're headed. To conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And you do it through confessing it and acknowledging God. We confess really means to stay together with you stay together with God. When I got mad at somebody for no reason, that was wrong, God. I shouldn't have done that. I, I should, you know, please forgive me and help me. And you'll think about it next time. You say, you know, if I had waited three seconds instead of shooting my mouth off on an impulse, I wouldn't have done that. That's God helping you, cleansing you, and helping you. Because he wants us to live like his son. That's the standard. Well it helps me. I don't know if it helps everybody. But I, I like being. You know wanting to do the right thing. I, I like. I don't like being an emotional impulsive person. I'd rather be a peaceful person. You know what I'm saying. You don't, you don't want to live like that. And you don't want to go through your life. Trying to establish why you did it. And, 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 and why it ain't so bad. It's bad. Get rid of it. Got me. It's like having a hangnail. If you don't deal with that hangnail, pretty soon it's going to irritate you every time you hit it against something. You deal with that thing. Get that off of there. Keep, keep it moving. Amen. So then the blood cleanses us. It covers us. That lamb was totally consumed. God said don't leave any of it. Don't leave any of it. Don't leave any of it. It's precious. 
It's when he said don't leave any of it. This is different from any other lamb you ever ate before. Huh? Not because of the herbs or any. (laughs) But this you don't throw away. This is not unholy food. This is holy. This lamb is different. And he says, and and it it was consumed by everybody. So that means go out and find somebody else to take in this salvation boat with you. Don't leave any sinners there. That's God's mercy. You go out and you find somebody else to partake of it so you don't waste it. And when that person's done, then you go feed some to the next person. So it's not wasted. And he says, eat it in haste. In other words, be ready to move out. In other words, what, what God's saying there to me, when he says, eat this, this, this lamb or partake of, let this blood be over your doorpost. The, let the life of Jesus Christ come to you. And hastily and suddenly leave sin. Don't gradually quit doing something that you know is wrong. Hastily, like in fear of, I'm getting out of sin because it's wrong for me and I'm leaving this place right now. And I'm not thinking about, well, well, suppose I keep doing this and brother so-and-so told me they did this for 10 years after they were saved and they still here. See, those are the kind of churches we have, folks. Well, everybody does something wrong. I mean, you know, that's why we got so many fornicators sitting up in places. You got me? Because uh, we don't understand what we have. My goodness, if you if you could if the Israelite could get up and go the minute he partook of the lamb that was slain for his sin, and he could turn his back on Egypt and run out of there that night, certainly we can leave our bad habits, fornicating, lying, stealing from people, being slick, trying to get over on people. Always looking for somebody to flirt with. All that stuff. We can leave that stuff behind. Can do it. And so he says eat it in haste. And that word haste means suddenly and in fear of. So it means suddenly leave your sin in fear if you stay in it any longer. You know how some people, you, sometimes you will pray for, want to pray for people to receive Christ. Oh, I like my life the way it is. God, they, you know, because they know, they know they're going to have to stop sinning. They're ready to stop. They think they got more time. They may not. God may be merciful to them, but you need to pray that they make that decision and make it soon. So, in in uh, where are we at in Exodus? Uh, are we in eleven or oh twelve? Uh, I want to go into verse 13, 12, 13. What does that say? I don't know if I want to go back there or not. Well, let me see what it. It says, "The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are." So this was a sign that there would be another bloodshed in the future. A token means that it's just a temporary representation. Of something that would be real in the future. Or something that is real in the realm of the spirit. 
If it's a token in the natural realm, there must be a reality in the spirit somewhere. It's just a representation. And he says it'll be upon your doorposts. He says, and when I see the blood. When I see the blood, everything that pertains to judgment, doom and gloom, death, sickness, uh, bondage, all of that. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and nothing will destroy you. When he sees the blood, he will pass over and nothing will destruction will not come to you when he sees the blood you got to have a covenant with god you got to know that covenant you got to respect it you got to know how it operates you got to know what keeps you in the right place before god you ever been around people that watch everything other people do to see what they do wrong why don't they watch to see what they do right you never <laughs> what you don't watch for that God's watching to see the blood folks he's not watching to see what we do wrong he's watching to see what we have right going for us and to coax us over in the place where the blood covers us he don't want us out from under the protection of this blood it's too powerful against destruction it's too powerful against lies. It's too powerful against sin. It's too powerful against sickness, poverty, everything that's wrong in the earth. It's very powerful against it. So God says this blood is a sign. He said when I see it, he said put the sign out there. I see the sign. I keep going. In other words, you don't have to do anything. Just let me see that. And I'm good. Amen. And so God's good when He's when we, when we show Him the blood. How do we let Him see it? By keeping our hearts right before Him. We find something wrong in us. You confess it to God. I'm sorry. I just you know, help me, cleanse me, forgive me. I plead the blood. That's my only defense. I don't want to give you a bunch of excuses for why I'm still in this bad habit. So the blood is a sign and a token. Of what God has done for us. Of the real thing that covers us at the mercy seat in heaven. The blood points toward mercy for the righteous. It points toward mercy for the unrighteous if they'll have faith in it. If they'll put their trust in what God has done. So God makes a difference based upon the application of the blood. Amen. How the blood is applied in your life. That's when God makes the difference. We know that God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he was able to, uh, through Abraham, negotiate a deliverance for the few righteous that were there. So when God knows you as an intercessor, you're able to negotiate on behalf of people who are separated from God. Amen. You're able to negotiate for cities that have turned away from God. Cities where they fight everything that the church wants to do, you're able to negotiate on their behalf for mercy. So God will spare these areas so they can prosper and flourish again. So God spared Lot and everybody that was under his roof. Amen. The ones that were obedient to go and to leave. And God spares them as long as they stay under the instruction of God. Stay obedient to God. 
Keep your heart yielded toward him. Don't get selfish and get stupid. And God if I don't get this I'm just going off on you. All this old crazy stuff. God when when people veer off of, of the realm of obedience. God will draw them back to the straight and narrow. He always does that. He will never see the righteous destroyed with the wicked. He makes a difference. He makes a difference. Don't ever let people let you don't go passive on on uh this is it and we can't do anything about it. Oh no. Don't ever tell that to a child of God. Because if I don't know how to deal with this now, I can go to God and get, there's always another prayer. There's always another strategy. There's always another worship and hallelujah. There's always another word of knowledge. There's always another word of wisdom. As long as God's alive, there's an opportunity to obtain mercy for him because his mercy endures forever. You don't hear people say stuff. Well, God's gonna do something. He told me in a dream. He's gonna do this. He ain't told you nothing like that. Cause he told me he's giving mercy to people today. It's because of his mercy you got up this morning. If you wasn't consumed in the middle of the night because of God's mercy. If you're up and awake, do something for God. Ask him for another mercy. God, I got this mercy. I got up. I'm doing pretty good so far. Let me have another one to go with this one. So we can see some good happen on this earth. Don't ever take take doom and gloom as the final answer. God is ever merciful, the Bible says, and lends it. Psalm thirty four fifteen says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Why? To do us good. And to do others good through us. Psalm thirty four fifteen, let me find that. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. So he sees you and he hears you. Righteous person. Huh? It says depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Don't seek retaliation. Don't want to give somebody a piece of your mind. Don't want to get them straight. They don't think I'm called to the ministry. I'm going to straighten them out. No, you're not going to do nothing. You won't act like a called person. Call people, don't go around. Your ministry is not straightening people out. I hate to tell you that. That's God's job. That job's already, that position has been filled already. Psalm 34 19, while we're over in 34, or do it. Uh oh. Nope, that's not. I think it's 37. Oh shoot. Yeah. 30, 34.19. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Doesn't matter how many times you get challenged by the enemy. But God delivers you out of all. And look for your deliverance. When you're afflicted look for deliverance. He delivers us out of all of them. Hmm. The righteous cry and the Lord hears. And delivers them out of their trouble. <laughs> God hears the righteous all the time. There's not a time he don't hear you. Uh, I would talk to the Lord sometimes about my husband, late husband. I'd say, God, did you talk to him yet? God said, I, he said, he said, I tell him everything you tell me to tell him. 
I said, and he said, everything you tell me to tell him, I tell him. Hmm? Now, does that mean I boss God around? No, but he hears the righteous. I must be asking something that's his will in order for him to tell. He said, I tell him everything you tell me. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> then I'll shut up. Huh? I mean, what can you do but shut up? Psalm 37 and verse 17. This is good. You get yourself over in the right frame of mind about what God's doing with us here. You know, just stay out of that pit of doom and gloom that religious people like to hide in. 37:17. The arms of the wicked are broken. So you don't have to worry about crazy people. You don't have to worry about wrong people. But the Lord upholds the righteous. In other words, you're picking up, say you're picking up, anybody's had little children, toddlers, adults, because we're so much taller, you like to grab your kids by the arm, you shouldn't. Pediatricians say you dislocate their shoulders doing that. But you know, sometimes we pick you up and swing Well, just think, if you had what a, a, is in a, a purely legal sense here, if that child were wicked, you couldn't even pick it up by the arm. It would break when you try to pick him up. But righteous, God, you spring up there, jump up and down. God bounces you around. You hold on and you grab onto God's hand and your arm will break. He upholds you. Amen. He upholds the righteous. Even when you have little strength, he upholds you. He does. We have a lot of help in God. 3729. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Somebody come and put eviction notice on your door. Oh no. No, 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 no. This is my inheritance. You talk to your father about that. Don't go get in people's faces telling them God's going to get them. Because they're putting you out. This is something for you and God to deal with. But say, God, you said I will inherit the land and dwell here forever. These people trying to put me out of here. I thank you that I dwell here forever. God will make a way for you to dwell there. We have not because we ask not many times. See we get in trouble. We get condemned. And we think we are supposed to get us out of trouble. Well that's what it got you in trouble. If you had that much power you wouldn't be in trouble to begin with. Problem is you ain't dealing with God on things. Try to figure out your own way to do this. It's way over your. It's above your pay grade. So just stay where you are. Just shout and wave for joy and thank God for his mercy. He'll come for you soon enough. He's looking for you. Just wave your hands. Here I am, Lord. Messed up again. I'm sorry I messed up, God. I promise you, you get me out this time. I ain't going to never do. You know how we do. All in false promises. You mean it when you say it, but you have no power to do it outside of God. So he's going to help you. He'll help you. He's not going to leave you there. He said we'll inherit the land. We are not to be destroyed with anything. Got me? And Psalm 58.11. We'll stop there for today. Psalm 50. I want to continue this tomorrow. Because I enjoy talking about the benefits of righteousness. Because that's your key to everything. Don't play that cheap ever. And don't let anybody talk you down out of who you are. Because God is blood paid for you. 
in Psalm 58 11 so that a man shall say truly there is a reward for the righteous truly he is a God that judges in the earth so when God's judgment comes you don't get a you don't get a destruction you get a reward God's just summing up all the seeds that have been sown of the earth and you get a reward because your righteousness stands your righteous deeds will stand forever throughout eternity they're not destroyed wicked ones they get burnt up they don't pass through the fire but yours will stand through any test of anything because of righteousness amen all right well lord we thank you for today thank you for giving us a good day today thank you lord for trusting us to be your intercessors in the earth you've given us a good work to do here lord and i pray that everybody here uh, respects that don't ever underestimate the assignment of god don't ever underestimate the power of that assignment to keep your life and to bless your life keeps you alive thank you lord thank you father that our our assignment fulfilling our assignment brings life to us it keeps us alive and we thank you for that lord in jesus name amen and praise god remind me when we start tomorrow 